Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Sunday's US uh, Tennis Open final between the teenagers Emma Raducanu and Leila Fernandez was one for the ages. An 18-year-old qualifier representing Great Britain taking on a Canadian teenager for the title, breathing fresh life into women's tennis. Uh, it got me thinking, actually, what, what's the state of the game here? We haven't heard too much of it lately. So uh, joining us on the show right here, right now, is uh, New Zealand Tennis CEO, Julie Patterson. Good morning to you, Julie. Uh, what about that US Open? Wasn't it some spectacle? Was it ever? Uh, I think I, I have to say it was probably one of the most enjoyable Opens that I have ever watched. It was just um, all of the unpredictability of it was just fantastic. I mean, you know, it just seemed to get better. Even when you took it to the men's stage and you had that great carrot of of Djokovic trying to equal Rod Laver and falling short, which means he's still got business at hand. Uh, and the emotion around that too, it just didn't stop. No, I know. Um, you know, like... I- Clearly, we're going to talk about the women's event, but um, it, it, mm. the, the whole tournament I thought was just outstanding, and that the men's final was, you know, that was something to watch as well. Um, the emotion and the, um, you know, the expectation and just everything—it was just fantastic. So, what, what did you make of of the story, this Emma Raducanu story? This this young lady who, uh, you know, basically three weeks beforehand had been practicing tennis and and Bromley. Uh, getting ready for the U.S. Open. Three weeks later, she's on top of the world. Uh, what what did you actually make of her pathway through unbeaten in ten matches and also not dropping a set? Well, I, I think along with the rest of the world, I, I you know it was a pretty incredible story to watch. Um, and Leila Fernandez, I mean, her her story was no less incredible. Um, to be honest, you know the names that she took out on her way through to the grand final. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of there's elements of age and lack of expectation that allows players, when they come through at this level, to just have the freedom that they don't have as that expectation builds around them. And, you know, we've seen that with Osaka. Um, you know, she, she was a bit of a, well, pro- not quite a bolt out of the blue, but that um, final when she beats uh, Serena Williams. And, um, you know, she, she just played calmly and um, no expectation and came through and won. And then the weight of the world came down on top of her. So uh, my anxiety is that these two young players will be able to continue to live um, and, and play with the freedom that they've done so far um, to get to where, where they are now. Oh, I completely agree with you. That is, that is the next step to see if they can be shielded in some uh, possible way. Let, let's look at uh, the state of uh, New Zealand tennis. Uh, I mean, we'd love at some stage to produce an Eber Rodokanyu or a Leila Fernandez. Uh, what is, this, what is uh, our tennis looking like numbers-wise, particularly at, at say, uh, young, young girls' level, young women's level? Yeah, so um, New Zealand is pretty similar. Uh, and it, it, it reflects international numbers. So we, we have a pretty balanced participation um, here. We have around 40%. 
47% female participation. So um, that's one of the strongest sports in New Zealand with, um, you know, with female participation. But like all sports, we have a pretty significant drop-off in um, teenage years. So that's a real challenge, um, you know, that sort of 12 to 18-year-old age group. Although it's a little bit older in tennis, um, sort of that 14 to 18-year-old age um, we we do see numbers drop quite significantly. So we're putting a lot of thought into um, and working alongside you know other sports and sport New Zealand around how how can we battle that? How do we how do we keep young women in sport? And um, for us, clearly, particularly in tennis. Well, uh, it's up against sports like uh, rugby, which is I guess becoming stronger. Um, women's uh, basketball, netball, of course. Uh, but those, those are all contact sports, so it's got that in its favour because there is a move, there is a, a fear amongst a lot of people about contact in sport these days. So at least it's got that on its side. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, the, the irony of um, COVID has been that we have seen an increase in our participation numbers and our membership numbers. So I agree. I think people are looking for sports that they feel safer in. Um, and you take away that contact, you're um, clearly able to play in a, in a non-contact but also not close to the opposition. Um, you, you can manage a, a game without having to get too close to people um, that, that you're not playing with all the time. So um, it does feel a lot safer. So when it comes to getting started or you know, developing your game, is, do you have a like a, a structure of satellite coaches or, or regional coaches as such, or is it basically a, a private thing? If you want to advance your game to a, a, you know any sort of level, you have to go private. Uh, so there's a mixture of both. So um, yep, there's definitely the professional private coaching um, or the coaches that are employed by the clubs. Um, but one of our strategies has been around building a much bigger network of volunteer coaches. Um, and I think that our, our opportunity is in cre- is reducing the barriers for people to play in the sport, um, making it as cost-effective as we can, which actually, comparatively speaking, if you take coaching out of it, tennis is really cheap to play. But um, if we have a much broader and um, uh, wider acceptance of having volunteer coaches who can just get rackets into kids' hands and get them onto the courts, then those who choose to go to professional coaches can do that. Those that choose to just play because they want to have fun and hit a ball over the net can do that as well. We spoke to Erin Rutliff the other day. Of course, she plays uh, doubles tennis, has been with Layla Fernandez, so she's uh, doing very well at it uh, just by the by. But what are our stocks looking like in terms of women's players approaching the professional era? Uh, yeah, so so our, our two best um, uh, women, female players um, on the circuit at the moment clearly are Erin and um, Paige Hurrigan, and uh, the gap below that is pretty significant. Um, another strategy that we're working on is around building our coach numbers, and again, in New Zealand, our female coach numbers reflect international numbers, which is pretty poor, around 20%. Um, and I think if we want to have more young women coming through in the game, we need to have more female coaches um, more role models, um, and and um, and so that's a that's a real focus for us. Um, so yeah, below Erin and Paige, there it, it, there is a bit of a gap. It'd be nice to be able to you know somehow get your hands on someone like a, an Emma or a Layla and and just say look, just come to New Zealand for you know it's not possible at the moment because of 
uh, what we're going through to, just for a couple of weeks, just to you know to go around the country and tell your story. No pressure. Um, just have some fun in the New Zealand environment. But of course, it's very hard to do that to get that kind of encouragement from high-profile players uh, around the world. I mean, we can't even stage our own tournaments at the moment, so you're up against it. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's very challenging. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, although if we look to the 2023 ASB tournaments. Um, wouldn't it be amazing to have Layla come out and play um, as Emma's partner or, um, you know, as a, as a singles competitor as well? So um, there's, there's definitely opportunities and, and, and fantastic for Erin to have such a great connection at such a level and being able to hopefully leverage those relationships because a lot of, um, you know, the, a lot of the ability to get players out to New Zealand for those tournaments is built on relationships, and and so we've we've got a pretty good foot in the door here at the moment. You have actually, and uh, we spoke to Erin uh, the other day. What a delightful uh, young lady she is! Uh, yeah. Family concentrating yep. on the doubles. We also have uh, very strong content um, uh, with Michael Venus and Marcus Daniel, of course, bronze medalists at the Olympics. That was a wonderful result. Yep. So on the men's yep. side of things, we have we have people to look at there. Yeah, we do. And, you know, don't, don't um, underestimate Erin and Paige. I mean, Erin's sitting now at 78 in the doubles. Uh, you know, her, her ranking is, um, is dropping all the time. So she's, she's doing very well. And um, we're pretty confident that she's going to be able to go a long way, along with Paige. I mean, Paige is 255 in the doubles, but 424 in the singles. That's 424 in the world. So... Um, you know, they're, they're both competing really well at the moment and we're going to be doing everything that we can support those athletes through to the Olympics as well. Um, so we're, we'll be building a program around um, the men's and the women's going through to Paris 24. So that's pretty exciting. Julie, I, I go back uh, quite a long way, unfortunately, but I do go back and I remember things like the Nunnally Casket um, and, and things that were played quite high profile in terms of uh, provincial tennis around the country. Are those sort of uh, structured events still happening? Uh, well, I actually don't know that event that you're talking about, so you, you do go back a bit <laughs> further than I do. Um, but there are there's definitely structured events that still happen. Um, the challenge that we have at the moment is um, we're not able to run uh, pro tour events. So two years ago, uh, no, sorry, it was in the beginning of 2020, we ran our first um, WTT Pro Tour events, 15,000 events here in New Zealand. First time that we'd had them in about 10 years. Um, so we can't run them at the moment um, until the ITF allow us and we need to have borders open to have international players having access to those tournaments. So we can run domestic tournaments at the moment, but um, but the international tournaments are, are off the calendar until we can get the borders open. How does tennis get funded then? We know how the Olympics get funded on, on performance uh, from high performance uh, sport, etc. from the government. How does tennis get funded in this country? Uh, so tennis New Zealand specifically, we get funded through... Yeah. Um, Membership returns, uh, uh, so as in uh, a club affiliation um, and region affiliation, uh, we get money through uh, ITF, um, we get funding through so uh, Davis Cup and Billie Jean King Cup um, ITF funding, uh, we get funding through TAB, um, so that's a significant portion of our revenue, um, and then of course commercial and other grant funding. Do we get kids to America on scholarships anymore? 
Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. There's a number of, um, you know, a number of athletes go over to America on scholarship. So that's a really strong, um, uh, strong avenue for players to be getting really good experience overseas. Okay, let's uh, look at uh, this weekend. Um, yes, it is this weekend. Uh, our men's Davis Cup team is uh, on the court against Korea in New York. Korea in New York, that's amazing in itself. Uh, what chance are they in that World Group 1 tie from your point of view? We think we've got a really good chance. Um, we, we know that Korea have pulled out one of their top players, um, so that has made us a little... Uh, a little I won't say anxious, but we're confident that we've got the right team. Um, it is really disappointing that we've had to host it in a neutral venue, um, but the players are really comfortable with the venue, um, and so uh, they chose grass courts specifically because they felt that might unsettle the Korean team. Um, so, look, I think we've got as good a chance as any. Okay, Julie, thank you very much for your update, getting us a little insight into how New Zealand tennis is, is structured. And uh, we uh, just hope that we've got an Emma or a Layla around the corner. We wish yeah. all the best in finding one. Wouldn't it be great? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it would be great. Uh, Julie Patterson there, folks, from uh, the CEO of uh, Tennis New Zealand.